Hello, everybody. On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we go across the pond to examine the many trials and tribulations of a single woman in London, struggling with relationships and overbearing mother and career happiness. This week, we ask the question, since when is 128 pounds considered overweight? Also, are all men in their 30s absolute and total fuckwits? Yes. And another thing, does the gravy ever actually need sieving? Just stir it. <laughs> Just stir it, Una. Welcome back, everyone. We are rounding out Jackie's birthday month with one of her all-time favorite books, Bridget Jones's Diary. Love it. We're heading to London. Both book and movie this time. They're both set in London. We're going to follow a mid-30s single woman on her journey dealing with awful men. They are so awful. The most awful. And even more awful mother. Her mother is god awful. Oh, she's a delusional. She needs to read that book. It's my mother, a narcissist. <laughs> and hopefully happiness. But first, if you haven't already, please like, follow, share, rate, leave a review, send us a carrier pigeon. I think Jackie is no. give it in. If you really must, mm-hmm. she will accept it. Or yeah. I will accept it on her behalf. Because yeah. we want to hear from you. We are going to dedicate our F-bombs to Miss Lisa this week. Yes, because this book is very, and I would also like to dedicate it to you, Mel. This book is a very friend-centered story. She relies on her friends a lot. It's a very found family type story. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Because, I mean, honestly, if I had her mother, I would not want to talk to her ever. Her mother is so bad. Those are calls that I would definitely 100% screen. Do we want to talk about what we're drinking today? Yes, yes, I think we should. Okay, Jackie, this is your month, your birthday podcast, your book. What are you drinking? So I figured since Bridget aspires to be better, I decided to aspire to be better than boxed wine. (laughs) Nominally, though, because while the wine I am drinking is right out of a bottle, it is a screw-off cap. There's no cork. Mm. Uh, because it just requires too much effort. Although I almost had an argument with it uh, trying to get the cap off because they really, really sealed that thing good. But it is a buttercream Chardonnay. Oh, one it, of your favorites. Yes, it is my go-to uh, at Total Wine. And Nicholas was kind enough to go over there the other day. And he said, you want me to get you anything? I said, get me some wine. And he asked me what kind, and I said buttercream Chardonnay, and I sent him a picture. And he goes, okay, so normally that's $15 a bottle. You wanted two, but I found out if you get three, it's only $33. So we Oh, look at him being economically savvy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's Chardonnay, which is a big, uh, a lot of Chardonnay in this book. Yeah. Yeah. And the movie, I guess. If I drink Uh, white wine, if I drink white wine, it's going to be a Chardonnay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I am doing the opposite of Jackie. Jackie wants to do better. I have just fallen into the pit of despair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I had three of these stupid raspberry Smirnoff ice things left. And I said, fuck it. And I've um, I've almost finished them off. So, so Jackie is the wants to do better, Bridget. I am the lonely, alone in the flat watching trashy television no what you are is the bridget who has made the plan doesn't want to waste the money so she goes ahead and finishes everything off 
before she starts in on the diet. That's fair. That's fair. And I've saved up this week because I am on a ca- uh, diet. So I am um, sa- not that I saved my calories for the week for this day. <laughs> I've just been very good at not drinking my calories the rest of this week. So today I'm doing it for y'all. I'm sure everybody appreciates it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is the drinking game we found this week? Oh, my gosh. There are a lot. Uh, when you have a main character who drinks a lot, I guess it stands to reason that there are going to be a lot of drinking games. So I found them from the film Rewind, Drunken Me, uh, Getting getting Real Real spelled R-E-E. Oh my God, how many are there? Six, seven drinking games? What is this? Well, I found, I I put five in there, but there were more, but I didn't feel like going past page two. (laughs) So there's so many drinking games. Yeah. Okay. Which one do you want to, which one do you want to go over then? This one is from the film Rewind. Dot com. First rule is Bridget complains about her weight. It's a lot. Pretty much any time yeah. she writes her weight down in her diary or talks about it, she's complaining about it. Yep. Number two, Renee's British accent is a little off. I think the only people that might really be able to pick up on that are people from there. Hmm. Yeah. Number three, every character in a scene is smoking or holding a cigarette. So essentially anytime she goes out with her friends. Yeah. Or anything like she's like smoking in the fucking tub. (laughs) That's so weird. (laughs) Number four, Darcy lingers and looks longingly in Bridget's direction. Mm, Okay. Yeah. I can, I can think of a couple times. Yeah. You get Uh, like three drinks out of that. (laughs) Bridget's knickers are on display. So anytime she's in her underwear or she's holding up her underwear. That is uh, pretty often for someone who is so self-conscious about their body. Yeah. Okay. I don't understand it. Any character is crying in a bathroom. That would definitely be Moaning Myrtle at the beginning of the movie. Yes, Moaning Myrtle. Yeah. She's <laughs> always crying in a bathroom. Maybe That's, she goes. She's been typecasted. <laughs> yeah. When she when she uh, gets a script, she looks through, skims through, tries to find the scene where she's crying in a bathroom. Every time there is an insanely named get together, so the Tarts and Vickers party, mm. like that. Bridget's uncle Jeffrey is acting pervy. Oh, he's pervy, pervy. Every time he's on screen, uh, Daniel mentions Bridget's skirt. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, because he does that a lot. <laughs> Bridget complains about men ogling her breasts. Yeah, I guess they do do that. Oh, well, her one boss does. Mm-hmm. Okay, you notice an overt homage to the 1995 BBC Pride and Prejudice miniseries. Take an extra sip if Colin Firth is part of the scene. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, I get it. But mm-hmm. you got to be really in tune to that adaptation. You need to have seen it multiple times. Like, yeah, because it's subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Bridget's overactive imagination gets away from her. Uh, the many times she imagines herself being eaten by dogs, I think, is one of them. <laughs> uh, every time a close family friend is mentioned and defined. Oh, by her mother, yeah. yeah. Which, that's a, that reminded me of Nick's mom a lot. Oh, Nick's you know, mom? So my mom does that. Oh, yeah. Well, your mom doesn't even mention the name. She's just like, you know... Yeah, you know so-and-so from where? No, I don't know, Mom. 
Yeah. It's like that new progressive commercial. Mm-hmm. I, I laughed so hard with that one where it's like, well, so-and-so said this, this, and then he comes up. He's like, nobody knows who those people are. <laughs> I don't I'm think I've seen that. I don't think I've seen that. I, I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to, okay. every time my mom now, I'm be like, nobody knows who those people are, mom. <laughs> okay. Bridget's choice of attire is a human resources nightmare. Uh, that's pretty mm-hmm. much every single outfit she wears to work when she's working at the publishing company, mm-hmm. especially the see-through shirt. That was mm-hmm. ridiculous. <laughs> and and David thinks that he has his hands full with dress code violations at our work. Oh, I know. Yeah, Car- we have mostly guys. Yeah, cargo pants and t-shirts have nothing on Bridget's wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a character mentions Darcy's paddling pool, which happens quite often oh, yeah. in the movie. And Bridget resolves to change one of her habits, but swiftly breaks her resolution. That also happens quite a bit. That's you start off with it. Damn, there's a lot of rules. Yeah. Try to you track in, all that shit. You need to wear one of those um, like beer can hats mm-hmm. with the straw that goes directly to your mouth. No, you need you to just, you need to have it connected to a keg, or maybe just intravenously, like you have an IV set up. Yeah, <laughs> I could sit here with the box wine and just yeah, it, it just you're just laying on the floor with it hanging over the edge of the table, <laughs> just with it like just streaming into your mouth. <laughs> Jeez, oh my God. With these people get a little overzealous with these drinking games. Jesus, yeah. uh, there, there, were, there were a lot. So every rule that Jackie just described is—I don't think there's a moment in the movie without at least one of those, if not more, simultaneously happening. Yeah. So just get a really, really big cup, like go to Seven Eleven or something, get the big gulp, maybe two, yeah. and throw your drink in there. Put a straw in there and just hold it until it's empty and then pick up another one, the next one. You're not even going to make it to the end of the movie. Mm-mm. All right. Let, let's talk about our um, who read what first and who watched first. Uh, I actually read the book first, but if you were to ask Jackie, she would be thoroughly confused. Um, but we did finalize. I did read the book first. And she watched first. Yeah. So I read the book first. Um, I read, of course, a paperback. And I like this paperback. It's one of those like flimsy. It's like really soft. Oh, yeah. Also, I did tabbing still. My tabbing is getting so much nicer. Oh, it's beautiful. Isn't it? I know. I'm so proud of myself. Everyone listening is like, what the fuck? Um, This, I think this is like the original cover. With the yeah. like, her face on the pages, okay, because yeah. it's not. I was like, is it's not a movie cover, which I was like, thank God. Um, and then up top it says the number one national bestseller, and then it has in parentheses the V dot G, because it's very me a minute good, to realize. Yeah. yeah, it took me a minute to realize she's right. She's shorthanding for very very good. So I thought that was clever. They yeah. put it on the top. This is a a, peng- a penguin book fiction. Penguin Random House, that's what it's called. We're getting better at this. <laughs> are we, though? <laughs> we are. And actually, I have some news. I just enrolled in getting another master's in um, creative writing. So um, I'm going to be learning much more about this. So then when we get on these podcasts, I'm going to sound very pretentious. because I'm just going to be talking at you the whole time about everything that I learned <laughs> and how smart I am about, you know stuff with books anyway so i watched i read it first on the paperback awesome and then i uh i watched it on apple tv i bought it i caved i didn't spend the 30 seconds to see if i could find it free somewhere 
I think this is one of those that it doesn't hurt to buy it. Yeah, it doesn't. And this is not one that I would mind if the kids watched it either. So I think the my teenage girls would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. They're just going to start watch calling it like, all the guys at school fuckwits. Good. Yeah, because they are. I want them to watch it like a cautionary tale. Yeah. But I also don't want them to watch it and think that being 32 and single is something to be you know concerned about. So, <laughs> Jackie? Uh, I watched on Prime Video. I also purchased it. I think it's one of those that I bought a DVD years ago, and then that got packed up with household goods, and then I was in some other country, and I really wanted to watch it, so I ordered it again. But now I have it on digital, so. Jackie's got a full box of Bridget Joan Diary DVDs somewhere. That's what she just admitted to. I I have multiple copies of multiple books and movies because of stuff like that. No judgment. No judgment. Getting ready to pack. And I'd be like, uh, I don't want to bring that book with me. And then two months in, I'm like, I really wish I had. I really want to write that book. <laughs> that, was, that was before the days of Kindle and Nook and stuff like that for anybody who remembers Nook. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Nook. That's right. I think those days still have the app. I don't know if you Yeah. Buy... They still sell devices too. It's essentially a, oh, really? a, a galaxy tablet. Okay. Yeah. And, but just Barnes and Noble. Yeah. And I used to have one, but mm. there was only like eight gigs of storage on there. And that fills up pretty oh. fast because half of it is operating system stuff. Yeah. 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 True. And, that. Then, and then you got like three books. Yeah. And you can add an SD card to it to expand the storage, but then half the time it never recognizes it and all your books are gone. That's too complicated. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I never have to move again now that I think about it because the bookshelf's full. Probably going to have to get another one. These books are heavy because mm-hmm. I have an affinity for um, for hardcover as well. I'll get the paperback. Don't don't judge me, but if I can get a hardcover, I'm getting it. Well, when we were packing up our bookshelves, I think I filled 12 boxes at least with books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's serious. We have problems, yeah. people. Problems. Anyway, sorry, Jackie. Okay, they're good problems, though, because at least we're buying books and not drugs. Drugs? Yeah. <laughs> Methamphetamines. <laughs> I am moving to Florida, though. Mm. Uh, and then I read the Kindle edition, found out that it was first published in 1996 in the UK, and it was not published here in the States until 1998. Interesting. Sounds about I right. I read that wrong. Yep. Copyrights 1996. They had to change. Yeah, they had to change all the C-O-L-O-U-R to C-O-L-O-R. Yeah. Oh, and my book is in pounds too, yeah, not stones. Mine was in pound. Yeah. And did you notice that um, Nick Hornby, she references him? Mm-hmm. She references Nick Hornby. If anyone's uh, like, why do we care? If you listen to our last week's episode, Nick Hornby was the author of that. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting. Jackie, all of Jackie's stories and books are just tying together. Another tie-in. Bridget Jones's Diary is a retelling of what story, Jackie? Pride and Prejudice. By who? Jane Austen. Who wrote also? Mansfield Park. Which we also did. So it's just, it's like six degrees of Jane Austen yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. It's always going to come There's back There's another to connection. Okay. okay. There's another connection with the, the movie and Pride and Prejudice. Okay. One of the uh, writers of the screenplay, because mm-hmm. there were three, Helen Fielding being one, the author mm-hmm. of the book. Uh, there's a guy named Richard Curtis and another, Andrew Davies, wrote 
the BBC adaptation of Pride and Prejudice that Colin Firth was Just in. connections all around. Yep. Everybody. It's always going to come back to Jane Austen for us. Uh, yeah. So this is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. And if you're not familiar with like what a retelling is, uh, think of like Clueless, um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Clueless is a retelling of Jane Austen's Emma. 10 Things I Hate About You is a retelling of Shakespeare's uh, Taming of the Shrew. Um, and there's there's lots of them out there. It's just basically the fundamental plot-ish or feeling or theme or whatever you want to call it. I'll probably learn more about that during my coursework. Um, <laughs> is is the, you know, inherently is the essence of the original story. So it's not an adaptation per se, and it's not like the disaster that Mansfield Park was when we watched the movie that <laughs> they wanted to treat that like it was a retelling and it wasn't because they used the name, they used the characters and they just changed a whole bunch of shit. That is not a retelling. That is a God awful dumpster fire of an adaptation. So with that, yeah. let's get into this. The book, this is what on the back of the book says for the description of it. Bridget Jones's diary is the devastatingly self-aware, laugh-out-loud, daily chronicle of Bridget's permanent, doomed quest for self-improvement, a year in which she resolves to visit the gym three times a week, not just to buy sandwiches, form a relationship with a responsible adult, and learn to program the VCR. Yep. I think it's a pretty accurate summary of the book. I think it is, because everything else revolves around those things. Especially the programming, the VCR. That was. Uh, Why did they make it so difficult? I think just to maybe show how not really an adult. I don't know. Like she's. I think they really just wanted to showcase that she is a failure in life. I don't know. I don't, like she, she would do horribly nowadays with the technology we have. Because if you think about it, like if they were showing her in these sort of really complex intense situations and she's sort of breaking under pressure i think you can sit back and empathize with her as a character mm-hmm. be like oh yeah that's just that's hard oh yeah she's got to come over but with the vcr like we can still empathize and go oh, yeah it's kind of difficult especially back then in the 90s with these machines um you had to make sure that it was on the right channel and the right setting yeah it's not it's yeah. for new young listeners it's not as easy as it is now where everything's basically streaming anyway uh, so you can, and you literally just hit a button on the remote. Yeah. That's all you have yeah. to do. I now. mean, if you're still doing that, a lot of people don't do that anymore because everything's on demand. Um, but with the VCR, it's like, you can still empathize, but it's such a silly, silly task that at the same time, you're like, man, you're an idiot. Felix, but also the fact that she called three or four other people and nobody knew how to do it. Either. Yeah. Just it, you just have a bunch of thirty-year-olds, single thirty-year-olds that have just not been able to function in life. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, we'll get into that. But I, I did think it was funny too. But I had some thoughts on why they emphasize the VCR so much. I, it was funny for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. In the movie, Bridget Jones is determined to improve herself while she looks for love in a year in which she keeps a personal diary. It was rated R for some strong sexuality and language. They dropped the F-bomb a lot. It was directed by Sharon McGuire, written by Helen Fielding, uh, who I said before also wrote the screenplay with Andrew Davies of Pride and Prejudice and Richard Curtis. The budget was around $25 million. Opening weekend, it only made $10.7 million. 
Total U.S. gross was about seventy-one and a half million, but worldwide it made two hundred and eighty-two million, just about. Because this released in Europe, right? First, yeah. okay. I mean, I think that's not bad. No, and obviously they carried on with the two other movies. Yeah, it's uh, Bridget Jones' Edge of Reason, which is also very funny. Mm. There's a scene where she ends up in a Thai prison and she's singing uh, Madonna. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't for think, cigarettes. I don't think I've seen that one, but I'm pretty sure I've seen the baby one. The, the yeah, third one. That's the third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. So I mean, they they Patrick care- Dempsey. Yeah, yeah. Which was weird because I was like, I don't remember Hugh Grant in that. Then I looked it up. I was like, oh, Patrick Dempsey. I don't remember how he got there, and I honestly don't care. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's really bad. It's not like a girl with a dragon tattoo where they didn't carry on with the other books because it didn't do that yeah. well. Yeah, and I guess twenty five yeah. million's not a that steep of a budget considering the cast that they had. That and they filmed almost entirely on location in London. Yeah, that's so, pricey. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and apparently Renee Zellweger went to work at a publishing company for about a month before she played Bridget. She'd already gained the weight, and she said like hardly anybody recognized her. That's bullshit. Yeah, that's bullshit. Fuck you, Renee. I mean, why would she have to go work at a publishing company for a month? Because Bridget has no idea what she's doing. Yeah, and she wasn't really doing publishing. She was like, she'd have a clipboard every now and then. Whatever, we digress. Let's talk about reviews. Okay, so let's talk about the book reviews. On Goodreads, remember, we only care about user reviews. We don't care what the critics have to say. 3.79 out of 5. I don't actually think that's that bad. It's, no, because it's almost full. Yeah, it's it's like mid-ground, upper mid-ground. I don't think it's that that bad. And I also think mm-hmm. it is one of those books where you either hate it or love it, which is what you're going to see when you're reading through the reviews. Uh, and that is out of almost a million. It's at 925,705. Mm-hmm. So almost a million reviews on this. Or ratings, I should say. Um, so five out of five had 30%. Four out of five had 33%. Three out of five at 25%. Two out of five, seven. And one out of five, 3%. So you notice that like the low, low reviews is, is not that many. Mm-hmm. Right, first one, five out of five. I love Bridget Jones with my whole heart. I want to live in her head forever. She is fantastic, fearless, and funny. She sees the humor in every tragic situation. She Ooh, understands every... What's that? To a fault almost. There's there's yeah. some parts of the book where she's just like joking about stuff and then having these daydreams about somebody coming to her rescue. I'm like, your mother is a criminal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I, we're going to mm, later. Yeah. That whole criminal thing. I have that kind of brought it my overall reaction to the book down. Okay. So she understands every neurotic thought I've ever had. She is my spirit animal. (laughs) Bridget Jones has always been one of my favorite movies. And so I put off reading the book for a long time because I figured it would be more or less the same, but it's actually totally wonderful in its own way. I think you have to have been through certain things to really enjoy this book that I will agree with. Mm -hmm. If you can't relate to Bridget, you must be very lucky indeed. In a way, she is a bit intolerable, yes, in a lovable sort of way. Okay. She guzzles wine, smokes countless cigarettes, and gorges on food like it's the last time she'll ever get to eat, (laughs) and then wails endlessly about her weight. She moans about her dead-end job 
in publishing, which I always thought would be so glamorous, without ever trying to get ahead. Uh, okay. And she mopes about her social life and single status while remaining surrounded by her completely vapid, though all individually endearing friends. That's fair. Yeah. And dating the absolute worst kind of men. This is something I experienced for several years. Luckily, in my early 20s, poor Bridge is still struggling in her 30s, and I wasn't even half as good as dealing with it at her. I was actually intolerable. This is this like her, she's like her own biography now. Yeah. Not at all adorable or witty or good natured like she is. This book is about growing up while trying to maintain sane with a cool, calm, and collected outer appearance. It's about learning to take your life seriously while trying not to take your life too seriously. It is heartwarming and laugh out loud funny and a complete narrative of the, my early 20s. It's to be taken lightheartedly. And if you can do that, I think you'll find it incredibly enjoyable. I think that's all fair. Yeah. I think if you're not one to, like she's saying, relate to that type of lifestyle, one, you are either really lucky or maybe two, you're not very lucky in the things that Bridget Jones has at her disposal. You don't like so. Yeah. You take it as you will. There is a four out of five, a lot of this aged poorly, particularly the notion that a 130 pound woman needs to diet and obsess about cellulite. But this remains by far the best Pride and Prejudice retelling and super funny too. Bridget's mom even beat Mrs. Bennett in terms of ridiculousness. I forgot all about that. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Her mom is just totally off her rocker. Whereas Mrs. Bennett you know that she has good intentions because at that period of time being saddled with $5, you have to marry them off. So of course you're going to try and like push them in good paths. Please marry someone with money or please just marry someone and get the hell out of my house. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last one. One out of five warning, all caps (laughs) rant ahead, all caps exclamation point times three. (laughs) <laughs> I feel the need to mention that I am a child of the 90s and early two, 200s, 2000s. Yeah. And they are both decades that I wish would come back as I miss a lot of things about it, like the music, clothes, and culture. Okay, is that a rant? But for fuck's sake, Bridget Jones' Diary is a book written in the 90s, and that is my very honest opinion where it needs to stay in regards to its overall impression on me. Should mm-hmm. This book is not aged well at all. Some of the terms and language used to Use will actually pass off as sexually harassed. That is fair. And I wish I could live in an oppressive Muslim country. Okay, this is what, okay. Okay, I, I, hold on a second. She says, pass off as being insensitive and offensive nowadays, such as, I quite like being sexually harassed. That was the sentence. That was the statement, a quote from the book. And here's another quote from the book. I wish I could live in an oppressive Muslim country where at least all the women are treated like outcasts. Nope, 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 nope. Okay. I understand that a lot of terms in this book are used in a humorous fashion. I freaking get that. But after the hundredth weird entitled joke, you kind of stop doing the ha-has and do more of the Marge Simpson sounding, hmm. (laughs) May read the second book out of morbid curiosity. I found the film to be much funnier, the storyline to be smarter, and Bridget to be far more relatable than this posh wannabe alcoholic narcissistic self-obsessed bitch <laughs> Damn. rant over one out of five i love when they like restate their rating yeah as if it's not the first thing you do when you click it's the stars. already there it's at the top whenever you look at the ratings it comes the first thing at the start of each yeah, it, that is what review. you do to start 
I, I will agree that I, but this might be just a product of our culture right now in society where the statements that are made could be offensive, but then I have to sit back and go, maybe your people just being a little bit too woke. I mean, it is a book. Mm-hmm. It is something she's saying in her head. And it and was written point, in 1996. Yeah. Like you have to, you like she's doing, you have to give consideration to the time that it was written. I mean, there are books written in the turn of the century that still use the N word. Mm-hmm. It's just the product of the time, not to make it right. But this at, at in the same breath though, you cannot project and impose the standards of your current society and culture on a work of art. Yeah. So I will die on that hill where I feel like if you are offended by a work of art, then the best thing you can do is turn around and walk away. Yeah. Because that inanimate object is not doing you any harm. Mm-hmm. Rant over soapbox away. Jackie? I just want to say one thing about that review. Mm-hmm where uh, this reviewer said, I found the film to be much funnier, the storyline to be smarter, and Bridget to be far more relatable than this posh wannabe blah, 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 blah. Mm. I had issues with that just because, yes, I think that the movie is funny. Of course it is. But I feel like the movie was a caricature of the book. Yes. She's definitely not that, that dim in the book. No, I feel like the book is far smarter than the movie could ever hope to be because they tried to focus and exaggerate the ridiculousness that is Bridget Jones. Yeah. I mean, even the way she walks, I make a comment later on, (laughs) even, even the way she fucking walks in the movie. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. It's like a penguin waddling around who walks like that. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like both. We'll get into our reviews later. But I I do not agree with that statement, which kind of makes me think that this person is into uh, the most non-offensive slapstick comedy out there, which I don't know what would fall into that category. Yeah, but then they should still be just as offended by the movie. Mm-hmm. He literally types her message at work that says, um, your tits look great in that shirt. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sorry, but if anyone said that to me at work, even in joking, and I can take a lot. Mm-hmm. I have some pretty thick skin and I like some dark, dry, crude humor. But if we're at work and you're, no, no. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay. For the movie, uh, we're going with IMDb user reviews because, like Mel said before, we don't care about what the critics get paid to say. Overall, it got a 6.7 out of 10. It was just over 240,000. Uh, 29.6 were at 7 out of 10, 8.4% were at 10 out of 10, and 1.2 was at 1 out of 10. So for the most part, I think it kind of jives with the book reviews. Yeah, it's kind of middling. So we have a 10 out of 10. Uh, It's titled Pure Genius. This movie is just fun. It has a perfect flow. No scene is unnecessary. There is no fat that could or should be trimmed. Jazzy, stylish, and extremely enjoyable. Don't remember the last time I laughed so hard. Genius. Okay. Yeah, genius. I Like I said, I like the movie. It was funny, but I'm not putting it up there at the level of, I don't know, Einstein. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. It's are no people, Jane Austen. Yeah. Are people's bars really that low? Uh, I also think maybe you have to consider what's going on in their life when mm-hmm. they take in a movie or a book. Like maybe this person just really needed something light and this yeah, did it Maybe for they them. had a really, really, really bad year. Yeah, and they were like, you know what? This is amazing. Mm-hmm. I can I can get behind it. Or maybe they're like, everything's just going really well, and this movie just seems really shallow to them, and that's not what they wanted. They wanted to feel something. Yeah. Feel something. <laughs> okay, next we have a 5 out of 10. Not as good as I thought. This is a very dull movie. Hardly anything about it was great. Some of it was good, but I did not enjoy it. The acting was typically British, boring, and very dull. Casting Renee Zellweger to play Bridget was a big mistake. It would have been better with someone like Bridget Fonda or Miranda Richardson. I don't think I know who those people are. The names sound familiar, but I can't remember exactly. Uh, We'll look it up. Yeah. This is, at best, an average movie with no plot or any big interest. So they gave acting a two out of five, direction a three out of five, and plot two out of five. I love how they broke it down, too. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. (laughs) Overall, five out of ten. Again, restating your original review or your original rating. And then the best part, if you like this, try Billy Elliot. Why? That is so random, but I have something more random. I just remembered who Bridget Fonda is. Hmm. Single white female. Oh. She's also American. I mean, if you're given Renee shit about being it, why would you cast another American? Yeah. That's so weird. I don't think she would be better. She's not a comedy actress. No. She did single white female for fuck's sake. She literally just stabbed some dude in the eye with a stiletto. That's not Bridget Jones. No. <laughs> She's going home. She She's going home to drink a bottle of wine and cry after a bad interaction with a guy. It's whatever. But why why Billy Elliot though? Why why recommend Billy Elliot if Yeah, Billy Elliot isn't that what wasn't that one Tom Hollandsworth yeah. or whatever fuck his name is? Yeah. Holland, it was a music hell? yeah, it was a musical on Broadway and then they made it into a movie or vice versa. I can't remember which He came wants first. to be a little da- a dancer. He, he wants to be a dancer. Yeah, and it's some a like working class working class town where he's like, expected it's Irish. to follow yeah, he's expected yeah, okay. to follow follow in his dad's footsteps and work at the factory or some shit like that. Not be but a he wants to dance. little ballet dancer that yeah. I think dad called him. Okay. Yeah, it's so weird. Mm-hmm. Essentially what this reviewer is saying, if you like this, you'll like any British piece of work. Yeah. If you must like British accents. Like that's mm-hmm. that's basically what it's yeah. oh my god. Yeah. Do it's better fun. people. Yeah. So this next one is a one out of 10. I'm guessing this is a play on the word diary. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even see that. <laughs> but it's titled Bridget Jones's Diarrhea, but they spelled diarrhea yeah. wrong. Yeah, and that's what like it was diary throwing bro. me. <laughs> Dire-ho-ho-ya? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's not so, spelled right. It's definitely they, supposed to be diarrhea. Yeah, clearly they did not like this movie. Bridget Jones is lonely and at loose ends at 32. She's an immature, self-centered non-entity with a drinking problem and serious impulse control. By the end of the film, I loathe this character. But I will say that my sister, who dragged me to this film, was laughing and clapping and cheering her on. And so were a lot of other people in the theater. Well, they're free to identify with her. 
ick. <laughs> so now that you've you've made your feelings known. Okay, a vile piece of work. This is another one out of 10. Richard Curtis and Andrew Davies basically took both Bridget Jones books, stuck it in a blender, and cut it all up. None of the jokes were funny, and Renee had the most terrible accent and portrayal. Colin Firth and Hugh Grant were divine, naturally. Otherwise, the whole film seemed pathetic and awful. I think if you were to cut away everything else, Colin Firth and and Hugh Grant sort of carried this movie. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not cutting down anything else that happened to it. I do think, though, that maybe if it weren't them in it, maybe we would have a different per, like perception of it. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible. Like If you just cast no-name dudes as the love interest, I think I could have got lost. They would have to be. Or like, not lost, but like not caring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I don't it. know if we talk. So I want to get this out before I forget about it, because this is usually what happens when we get further into drinking and we get further down into our our outline is something that we wanted to bring up. We forget about, but I love the fact that in the book, Colin Firth and Hugh Grant are called out by name. Mm -hmm. Hugh Grant, because of his little scandal in Colin Firth for playing Mr. Darcy in the Pride and Prejudice uh, screen, the TV screen adaptation, and then talking about his off uh, film love really, or romance with what's her face that played Oh, um, Jennifer L. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I, I love how real world about these actors are in the book. Mm -hmm. And then when they do the movie, both of them come into play their respective characters. Yep. I, I like it. Yep. Speaking of that, let's talk about the characters. So in the book, let's, uh, we're going to talk about um, who we think the major characters are for the book and the movie. So in the book, I agree that Bridget, Daniel, uh, Mark, Darcy, Bridget's mom, Bridget's dad, huge characters. I might even put Natasha up there slightly. Okay, you know, I'll agree secondary. Uh, then Jude, Sharon, or Shazer, and Tom, which are her friends. I think of this, both book and movie, if you compare them to the Sex and the City crew. Yeah. They have that where Shazer is very much like a, what's her face. It's been so long since I've seen that show. I know like Moaning Myrtle. I would think is like Cynthia. Yeah. Um, oh my God. It's been, it's been a minute, but that's who I have in my mind. Kim Cattrall's character. It. Yeah. Kim Cattrall's character be Shazer. And then Tom is just that like, well, ironically he is the gay friend. And then what's her face that plays um, Miranda is actually gay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, tangent. Sex in the City. That's what I got from it. <laughs> it's like if Sex in the City and Pride and Prejudice had a baby, that's what you get. Yeah. And there were a lot of other, uh, at the risk of taking this too far, there were a lot of even. No, take it. Tertiary characters. Uh, oh, like a ton Rebecca, of them. Like Perpetua. Perpetua. Yeah, yeah. Rebecca. In the, mm -hmm. in the book that never made an appearance in the movie. And oh, Mag Magda. 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 And Jeremy. Jeremy. Good for nothing husband. Yes. Oh, what's his face? Uh, Julio. Yes, or Julian. Julian. Because her mom introduces him as Julian first, and then she... <laughs> Bridget's uh, like, I bet it's Julio. Sure enough, her mom slips up and calls him Julio, and Bridget in her mind's like, I knew it! <laughs> I related to that the most, because that would have been me. Yeah. Because I wait for my mom to slip up on stuff, because mm -hmm. I want to pounce. I love yeah. you, mom. But it's like a sport <laughs> to me. I would be, I would have a fucking gold medal in the Olympics if it were yeah. a sport. We should introduce that to the International Olympic Committee. Yeah, it's called just putting your goddamn mother in place. <laughs> anyway. I could be your life coach. <laughs> um, 
For the movie, we definitely have Bridget, Daniel, Mark Darcy, uh, mum and dad, mm-hmm. uh, and then Jude. And then for some reason, they change her name to Shaza. At least mm. that's the way it's listed in the in IMDb. I didn't pay attention to the credits to see how it was spelled. I just took for granted that it was actually Shazer, and they were just saying Shaza. Oh, got it. Yeah, like dropping the R. Yeah, that's weird when they do change, little changes like that. It's like, what does it matter? Yeah. Yeah, I guarantee you it was some focus group and they showed people little boards or something with both names on it. Which one do you like better? Right. And then most people went with Shazza. And then Tom, of course. Uh, She does go over to Magda and Jeremy's for when she's invited by the smug married couples. She kind of feels like she's a display, like she's on display. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But Magda and Jeremy don't really play a big role but no natasha would definitely be in there up there mark mark yeah. mark are you coming <laughs> we're nearly done who was <sighs> also in mansfield park yes we talked about more connections <laughs> mark mark speaking of let's go ahead and talk about casting then so we have bridget who is played by the very controversial renee zellweger i don't understand it either I, I don't. And that if there's anything that pulls me back from giving this a higher review, it is her. And I don't necessarily think it is entirely to do with the acting. Yeah, it the acting was fine. I remember her doing an interview and she said, now I know what fat people feel like. Fuck you. Yeah. And wasn't she wearing like a, she said she gained weight, but wasn't she also wearing like a fat suit? No, I know in one of her recent movies or shows or something, she does wear a fat suit. But for Bridget Jones, she actually did gain the weight. And I do not think it was kind to her features. I won't lie. I think that might be in the best she's ever looked in her life. Really? Well, okay. Yeah, she, like her face is a little swollen, puffy for sure. I don't know what she mm-hmm. was eating to gain the weight. Um, and I, I doubt she was doing any sort of working out. But Compared to how she regularly looks, definitely she better. Looks emaciated. Yeah, it's and now she's got all the plastic surgery and injections and stuff. It's just it's not natural. So I mm-hmm. would say if I had to pick a version of her, I would pick this one. Yeah. At least I know she's healthier. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to say the note that I put. Oh, I'll say it. Nick says she looks like she's always sucking on a lemon, which is absolutely true. Her face like squints up. Yeah. I agree with it. Mark Mm -hmm. Darcy is Colin Firth. Yes. So I have not always been the greatest admirer of Colin Firth, especially not like Jackie. But I will say I definitely, um, he's moved up in rank after watching this movie. Like, oh, I get it now. I get it. Have you ever seen The Kingsman? Yes. Yeah. Did you like him in that? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's true. I forget that Mm -hmm. that's him. But I do, when it comes to Pride and Prejudice adaptations... I prefer the Kira Knight movie. Matthew McFadden. Yeah. I do love him. I think he's so good. Mm, I do love him. <laughs> I just think that Colin Firth plays aloof very, very well. But so does the other one. Not as well as Colin Firth. I don't know. That's He's got the little hand flex thing. I mean, that is, that is Mr. Darcy for me. Anyway, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Yes. This is just where we're at. Anyway, yeah. Daniel Cleaver, the infamous, Hugh Grant. infamous yeah. Hugh Grant, which I will yeah. say he does not look as good as he used to, but I remember why he was such a heartthrob mm-hmm. from this movie. He he was a beautiful man. 
Yeah. Mm. He is very appropriately cast as a playboy. I think he was probably the best casting in here. The way yeah. the way the book describes Daniel, I think it mm-hmm. was spot on. Spot on. But when you when you think about it though, with a lot of the roles that I've seen him in, he doesn't normally play that type of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the movie that he did with uh, Julia Roberts. She's mm-hmm. an actress. She goes over to London. He is so not that type of person. Is it Notting Love Hill? Actually? He's not. Yeah, Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. He in, in Love Actually. He is not a playboy. No, he plays more of that sweet, like lovable. Yeah. Ugh. And it's, I'd rather see him like this is dirty. You know you're dirty. We know he's yeah. dirty. Yeah. The world knows he's a dirty mofo. Yeah. yeah. Which is actually is just, brought up in the book. Yeah. yeah, this is just him owning up to it. Yeah, this is how I this is how I picture him. With Elizabeth Hurley, <laughs> just a nasty, nasty doing wild things that I yeah. wouldn't mind. Anyway. Yeah. Then we have Moving Shazza. <laughs> I don't know who I, I think- don't, Sally. I feel like I've seen her stuff before. I just don't know her that well. Yeah, I just her face. She just looks like somebody who. Uh, oh, by the way, real quick off off topic. Mm. Uh, oh, brother, where art thou? Yes, is a modern retelling, well, modern ish yeah, retelling that, of um, the Odyssey. Odyssey, yeah, yeah. So that is one of my favorites. I do love that. Oh yes, that was very random though. But thank you, Jackie. Yeah. Well, I had looked it up before, and it happened to be on my screen, and I wanted to say something before I closed it out. We're not even into the plot yet, and we're already talking. Like we're already a bit tipsy. We're doing our drunken thing. Okay. So Sally Phillips. It's fine. Yeah. Jude. She was in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I love it. Six Degrees of Jane Austen. Let's I, go. Yeah, she played Mrs. Bennet. Oh, that's right. We yeah. need to do that one episode. I love that book, and I the movie's okay. Uh, Jude is Shirley Henderson, who is Moaning Myrtle. And I'm not going to lie. I think this is before Harry Potter. But going mm-hmm. back and watching it, that's literally all. And I'm not the hugest Harry Potter movie fan. But I will say that every scene she was in, I'm just like, it's Moaning Myrtle. Mm-hmm. Tom is James Callis. Callis? I think so. Yeah. Whatever. He was fine, too. And the pop star thing that they did was really weird. But I think it worked. It gave him a little bit more depth. Because he was more of that, like, mm, like her, I'm going to bitch to you, friend. And then he had some weird side stories that I'm kind of happy they didn't bring into the movie. Yeah. They didn't really play. So they wanted to give him some depth ish if you want to call it that i thought it was funny hmm. then bridget mom's Gemma jones that was good that yes. was really good yeah and then uh her dad was jim broad broadbent i always forget how to say mm-hmm. his name. i love him in everything just me too and and i was and i was thinking about it when i was doing the list and i i put him down i'm thinking to myself he can literally pay, play anything he was also in harry potter yes uh one Wasn't of the he also in kingsman too one of them? Possibly. We don't uh, know. I would have to look it up. But he played uh, Harold Zidler in Moulin, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge, yes, my favorite. Yeah. yeah. The so best. he can play that, yeah, he can play that kind of sleazy showman type person or Just, this poor man defeated by life yeah. in every way, shape, and form. He's and, also had some very serious roles he's done, yeah. too. He is... Fantastic. But this this movie, all I wanted to do was jump into the screen and just give him a hug. I know, he was so sweet. Even in the book, he mm-hmm. was so sweet. Poor yeah. daddy. All right, let's get into the plot now. Um, I would say overall, the movie and the book have most of the same elements 
they're just presented in maybe different ways. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, because there's the... Is there a crisis with her mom in the movie? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I know her mom leaves her dad and she's on TV and So stuff it's like not that. a crisis. They yeah. downplay it where she's like, he's kind of mean. Yeah. Remember? But not a crisis crisis. Yeah. Um, and then some of the ways that like her and Mark meet up are like the same, but not the same. So... But the Let's one, go ahead and get into the the go one ahead. big thing that Mark does not do in the movie that he uh, or that he does in the movie that he does not do in the book. Oh, the whole line when when she's at the the couples party or whatever, yeah. the married the smug marrieds party, and he says, "I like you just as you are." Never happens in the book. Oh yeah, he just kind of says, "I like you," but that's at the Ruby wedding. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. They wanted to make it sort of like a very Jerry Maguire, you know. You had me at hello or some bullshit. But in that respect, the movie is a lot more like Pride and Prejudice because it is. Yeah, yeah. In in Pride and Prejudice, he comes to her uh, when she's staying with Charlotte and the creepy cousin who wanted to marry her at first. Yeah, uh, he says, "I like you despite everything, and mm-hmm. even though your mother's awful and stuff like that." It's very Mister Darcy. Yeah, it's it's not uh, just as you are kind of thing. He's a lot more forgiving yeah. in the movie than he is in that one. Yeah, and mm. every woman wants to hear that. Yep. I like you, even though everything about you is awful. I still yeah. like you. And it's more like, so you're, you're psychotic. Got it. Okay, let's talk about the beginning of it. I am going to call out these elements of the beginning that were huge departures from the book. One of them being the Christmas karaoke party, mm-hmm. where that is like, they try to make that seem like that is when Daniel first notices her. Mm-hmm. And she's up on stage at this Christmas party doing karaoke. She's uh, drunk off her ash, singing horribly. And then Daniel kind of looks up with these longing eyes like, oh, yeah, hey, <laughs> Look at this floozy bitch. <laughs> so that doesn't happen. She looks the- easy. Yeah, so that doesn't happen in the book. In the book, it's more like, I always wonder, was there flirtation before he started messaging her because they don't really talk about that they talk about her obsession with him in her diary or i say her diary talks about that but then he just starts messenger like hey where's your skirt yeah your skirt must be sick i'm gonna sexually harass you through the corporate messaging system which is probably logged and that's what i was thinking about the whole time like they're sending these messages back and forth and all i can think of some it person is sitting there reading every last bit of this now let me ask you something in the book when you read the part where she's like oh i'm gonna just send it from perpetua's yeah uh system is it just us and the careers that we have where i was like oh, you can't do that yeah i cringe so hard but then i realized <laughs> like maybe this isn't that bad of a deal because yeah. where we work that is like just bad yeah bad 101 you don't let other people use your workstation that account that is security showing up and yeah. you walking out without even getting to collect your things in a box. Yeah, like we got to go now. Yeah. yeah, I cringed so hard, but then I had to like check myself. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Obviously, this is not how the rest of the world works. It seemed like it was okay. Yeah. So there's that. There's also the introduction of like Daniel's boss. Mm-hmm. That big, well, not big. I guess he's just a fat dude, like a short little fat dude that's creepy yeah. and looks. She calls him Tits Perverts when his name is Fitz Herbert. Yeah. Because he's always staring at her boobs. But he wasn't in the book, right? He she talks about Daniel going to talk to somebody else from marketing, but never like a higher up. Yeah, this guy reminds me of what's his face from Devil Wears Prada, which was Miranda's boss. Mm-hmm. 
because Daniel is the same. He's an editor in chief, which was, uh, which is what Miranda is mm-hmm. from the devil or Sprata. So she had, I forget what the boss's name was, um, Irv or something like that. This, they introduced that, which wasn't in the book, which I guess it makes sense, yeah. right? Cause the editor in chief is, is responsible for that publication, but not the whole major company. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, that makes sense, I guess. But they just introduced that line of her like habitually being sexually harassed at work. And we're all like, ha that's so funny. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so him, which is weird. And then also the fact that he calls her Brenda. Yeah. Which I also thought was funny because you have Miranda from Devil Wars product calling her Emily. Yeah. Whatever. All the time. Yeah. 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 So I was like, I, that, I got called back to that. Whatever. Also, Tom, they introduced the pop star storyline so tom is bridget's one of bridget's best friends part of the sex in the city group he is a raging homosexual which is he's proud of it as he should be but he has this back storyline in the movie where he is a a one-hit wonder pop star Mm -hmm. from seven eight years ago where people always stopping him to say was that you and he's like yeah it was me and i just go this is so random but also i love it yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess he had this one big hit and it gets him royalty. So he's going to get paid for the rest of his life. Uh, and then yeah. she said something to the effect of realizing one hit was enough to get him shacked for the whole of the 90s, which mm, was fine fair. by him. Yeah. He hey, just listen. Had success. Yeah. Hashtag winning. Well, that, it, Tom. that one scene where they're in the restaurant and the old man turns around and taps him. Oh. He's like, excuse me, I hate to interrupt, but I yes, just don't. That and was me. Like, yeah, and he goes, but your your chair is on my wife's coat. <laughs> I would do something like that. And then that all three of them just start cracking up at him. And that is so what we would do. Yeah, I was. I would, I would know, I would know exactly what they're tapping you on the shoulder for, Jackie, but I would just let it play out. <laughs> And laugh <laughs> mercilessly. What was that statement? It's like, I will defend you against, like, you are safe from everyone else in the world because I will defend you to the death, but you are not safe from me. Yeah. As your best friend. That, that, that is how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyone else comes up, I'm like, what'd you say? But I will be 10 times as brutal. I mean, that's why we so, have best friends around. It's like you, Lisa, stuff like that. It's just. It's to we, keep us grounded. Yeah. To keep you on a level playing field with everybody else. Don't let you get too it's ha- a safe highfalutin. Place. Yeah. It's a safe place. Because yeah. if I if I had everyone in my life saying that, well, actually, you know, maybe I'm not the best example. Because I do have people in my life. I, I feel like I have the persona. I just invite it where they can be brutally honest with me. Um, but it's hard. <laughs> it's, yeah. You don't want to hear this. Anyway, that's um we put that emotional baggage away. <laughs> Another thing is uh the brother, Jamie. Yeah. Who I thought was he wasn't a huge character in the book either. Uh but he had f- funny moments that added where her she could team up with him against their parents or their mother, you know, or the way she would add him into a story. But they don't have him at all. Yeah. And I feel like that was something silly that they took out. They could have easily had like little mini phone calls or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the difference is between Bridget in the movie of an only child or Bridget in the book with a brother. And I think he's younger than her in the, in the book, but yeah, he also serves uh, the purpose to kind of keep her grounded. Oh, he's older. Oh, he's older. It's 37. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But he, he serves a purpose to keep her grounded also because sometimes she calls him up to complain about something. He's like, stop mm. being ridiculous. Yeah. Don't answer the phone, you know, like when mom calls. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's older. But, okay. So, you said something where she's an only child in the movie. But that scene at the mall when she's talking to her mom 
And her mom's like, no, oh, I don't know about having children either. Or something like, take care of your dad's children. Oh, plural. yeah. And also, she Bridget makes the statement. She's like, we are your children, too. So there is the implication that there's another, at least one other child. Maybe that stuff got cut out. Maybe. Or they're just like, we don't have time for this. <laughs> it's like, fine. Something noteworthy from the beginning of this movie. It's all the whole movie. Actually, you know what? No, it's not. Because I was watching her because I was so hung up on the way she f- walks like a fucking penguin. <laughs> um, she stops it later on. Yeah. But in the beginning of the movie, they make such a point, especially when she walks in that god-awful skirt. Mm-hmm. And just d- walking all like like roadblocks person. Yeah. And What was that? <sighs> I don't know. It was something maybe she adopted for the movie and then realized halfway through that it didn't work. It was like, I'm walking in this skirt. like, And when I say penguin, I mean like actual penguin. Yeah. Like feet, like toes pointed out, like stiff-legged. It's almost like her was back weird. was too straight too. Like she it was, was so weird. Almost leaning back a little bit to try and push Is the boobs out more. Is that what she thinks more. fat people walk like? Is that what that was? Probably. Stupid bitch. <laughs> I will say that something I did enjoy from the beginning of the movie, uh, when she's first entering into this like pseudo relationship with Daniel, um, which I think in her mind, she thinks it's a relationship. She does this in the book too, but he's like, nah, bitch is when she has those enormous, like Spanx ish kind yeah. of panties on. And cause she wants to wear it with the dress she's wearing out. I don't think she thought she was going to get lucky with Daniel by any means. Cause she wasn't going out with Daniel. She was going to some sort of, uh, office shindig it was a book release uh, which, party for kafka's motorbike yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah, which she makes a complete and utter fool of herself yeah uh, so she wears it for this dress and then but and then also uh, mark is there mark darcy's there i think that's when she first meets natasha mm-hmm. okay mark mark just stuck yeah. up bitch that was her man's <laughs> park um so then she's all like sad and over like drinking herself and Daniel comes up. And that's the part where, like, Mark is supposed to walk over and he wants to walk over, right? Yeah. kind of like, hey, uh, ooh, all Mr. Darcy-like. But Daniel comes up and is all like, hey, yeah, let's do this. So he takes her to dinner and then he wants to take her to back to his place. Yeah, they go back to which his the, place, yeah. Which in the book she doesn't do, right? Because in the book she's like, no, fuck you. You fuckwit, right? Yeah. Because he yes. makes he makes some kind of comment that makes it seem oh he said says something to the effect of oh this is just casual you know no big thing mm-hmm. and she goes don't toy with my emotions so like this is the first actual conversation you've ever had yeah and, and I think he's just telling you he wants to fuck you yeah so okay I'm about to say something um, my feminist soapbox is locked away it cannot hear me but I feel like if you're not in a relationship. You're maybe not looking for something serious right at that moment. Mm-hmm. But if the guy that you are pining over and have the severe hots for comes up and basically says flat out that I want to fuck you. And that's it. Wouldn't you be like, yeah, he thinks I'm fuckable. I like it. Yeah. I want to fuck you too. Wouldn't you just go with it? I mean, if you're the mindset like, no, I would never. Oh my God, I couldn't possibly. Then fine, be that way. But I feel like she'd be down for that. And mm-hmm. just because he was honest with her. Yeah. Which a lot of men are not at all. Nope. 99.999999% of them. But he was flat out like, this is what I want to do with you. Yeah, he and wasn't it. He wasn't doing the typical <laughs> man thing where he makes all these promises and then gets you into bed and then never calls you again. Right. Yeah. He's so honest. And I was like, I'm going to give him credit for that. It's 
kind of sleazy and a bit fuckwittish or whatever they were calling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very fuckboyish for the American term here. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was honest. Yeah. So I didn't give him too much grief for that. Before you move on after that, um, what was the deal with that egg thing that the oh, mom was on? Have it off. <laughs> it's French. <laughs> She was trying to break into the industry. She was trying to get her presence out there and present in front of people. So she was doing this like French mechanism to take the peel off of or the shell off of a hard boiled egg. And it just splooges. She's like, she's like pumping it. Oh my. Think of like a shake wake, you know, how the sexual in the windows come from that. But she's like, oh, she has this very flaccid or, or phallic, I should say, yeah. uh, item. And she puts the egg in and she has to pump it. And it's supposed to take the shell off and then it pops out into her hand. But after she does that, like Jackie said, it just, there's like the something excess in there. It just splooges out. Yeah. It's very, very, very I, It might be a boomer type thing. I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I told you when my dad had the blue Corvette, he wanted to get that license plate, vanity plate that says blue by you. No. Yeah. He's like, they well, just don't it's, understand. It's blue. I'm like, Dad, no. <laughs> blue by you. <laughs> yeah, Dad, Dad, no. It's dedicated to my wife. <laughs> uh, now he has say moi on his license plate. Oh, yeah. God. Hi, Dad. <laughs> okay, so the thing with her mom is she's in the movie, she's getting into the industry of uh, home shopping networks, yeah, right? Essentially. Well, yeah. So she has a sort of mid, not midlife. She has like an end of life crisis. I don't know what you call it. I guess she's in. They call it an end of life crisis in the book. End of life crisis. Yeah. yeah. So she's been a housewife, homemaker. Um, her for her husband for like thirty something years. I think she just realized like I've never had a career. I've never done anything with myself. I've never been lusted after. Blah blah. You know, like oh, she's a woman. And she's like. She's reflecting on her life. So she wants to get a career in this. In the movie, she's breaking into the uh, home shopping network industry. Where in the book, she fucking like is, I'm out of here. And then ends up like doing television. And then suddenly single. Yeah. So you still have her love interest, the, the exotic Julio or Julian. It's just that Julian in the movie is like a very famous home shopping network person and um the julio in the book is a criminal we find out yeah so he swindles people out of money yeah Yeah, and i guess oh go ahead yeah she says in the book something to the effect of like he her father retired and he got to leave his job and stop working but the job didn't end for her because she was still expected to cook and clean and stuff like that and she just wanted a break she wanted to get away she wanted something for herself and i respect that yeah. The way she went about it, though, I do not respect. But yeah. the mentality I respect. Yeah. Poor mom. Yeah. Kind of. Have a conversation first. Okay. <laughs> Talk it out. <laughs> Use your words. Yeah. All right. So now we have this relationship with Bridget and Daniel. Uh, Bridget's mom has left her dad and is doing home shopping network shit with Julian. So we're... This is now the middle of the book is her just trying to navigate this relationship with Daniel, trying to cope with her, her mom doing, you know, leaving her dad, her dad's a mess at home crying and stuff. So we, to kind of, I think it's her attempt to solidify this relationship with Daniel. Mm-hmm. If you th- yeah, That's what I think where she wants to go in this mini break. I guess it's a very British term during the book. When I was yeah. Reading, I was they like, actually have, mini break. they have 
whole brochures, sections of brochures at travel agencies over there for mini breaks. And it's just, it's a weekend trip. That's all it is. Mm. Or if you have a long weekend, so President's Day or something, you want to go somewhere. It's just you and your partner or whatever going on this little mini holiday. Okay, fair. They're they're going to go to a bed and breakfast somewhere, blah, blah, blah. So she, they go somewhere. So it's the middle of summer. It's supposed to be hot. She picks this place. I forget where. I want to say Edmonton or something. I don't know. Who, who knows? I know she ends up in Edinburgh at some point, up in Scotland. Mm-hmm. But that's with all the publishing people, like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. up that, there. and That's in the book. Yeah. Um, okay, so they go on this mini break. And when they get there, they realize that there's a big wedding there. So it's just them and another couple they find out at the front desk. Which So they have this huge resort. And it's literally them and two other people. Because the wedding is taking up, you know, the other side and they're not going to be doing stuff with them. They find out that it's Mark and Natasha mm-hmm. at this other word. And why I bring up that it's in summer is because in the book, she makes a big deal about how she packed for summer, but gets up there and it's cold. Yeah. So she's like wrapped in a towel and they're out on the boat yeah. trying to do a stuff. hotel towel. <laughs> yeah. Also something that they don't portray in the movie is that they kind of do start to have this, deeper relationship her and daniel like he's essentially almost moved in Mm -hmm. not moved in entirely because he's very he's spending a lot of time there like this is a situation where he doesn't he's not on the lease but his toothbrush is in the bathroom that that's right and he's like doing the shopping Mm -hmm. and bringing groceries over and he's being sweet but she starts to get tired of him because he just wants to sit around on the weekend and watch the game, watch the cricket, watch the football, whatever season it is, mm-hmm. draw the curtains and just hang out, like maybe shag and then watch a game and then maybe eat and then maybe shag, like mm-hmm. typical relationship stuff. <laughs> and she's like, he's not fun anymore. I'm like, he's a dude, like he's, you're there, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's comfortable. So she's upset with that. So that's why she wants to go on this mini break. But in the m- movie, it's just like, let's do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever, not a really difference. I think they wanted to, differentiate the, the level that the relationship that it was still pretty shallow they almost make it seem in the movie that he was the one that initiated the plans yeah i think he did i think he said something like um yeah figured out or paid or we're gonna take you so- i don't know whatever but she's the one that plans it mm-hmm. because that's why it's such a dis- again they make a point to show that it's a disaster mm-hmm. uh so they get there and they're doing the little romantic out on the uh, lake thing but they're really just trashed and drunk and like playing bumper cars with the little rowboats. Mm-hmm. But then Mark and Natasha are there, like reading poetry to each other and shit as they're rowing along. I think they're actually reading, she's going through legal documents for work. Oh, probably yeah. something, but it's like, it's so ridiculous. But they're on the water together, and obviously Mark Darcy is looking at Bridget, and Bridget's cracking up because Daniel's doing silly stuff and then he falls in the water and it's like whatever Mm -hmm. that didn't happen in the book they did do something on the water but then he's like this is cold i won't do this yeah and mark and natasha were not there yeah and in the book they even just went straight back to the hotel room drew the blinds and turned the tv on so he ends up watching cricket anyway yeah yeah yeah. he's like i don't do this Mm -hmm. in the movie though they bring into the storyline this matter of the publishing company failing Mm -hmm. because Mark, not Mark, Daniel says to Bridget, I have to leave. I have to go back and work, which is not entirely how it happens in the book, but it's similar because they make it back and they're supposed to go to this Tarts and Vicar party 
that her mom invited her to whatever. And he tells her like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And then at the last minute, he's like, no, I got to work. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, they take it a step further. Cause she's like, what could be so important? Cause she does not ask that mm-hmm. in the book. She's like, Oh, okay. So in the movie, he goes, well, we're failing. You don't understand what's going on with the company and blah, blah. And he's being kind of an asshole yeah. about it. They're talking about like, shutting us down. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. So he leaves, gets her a car to bring her to the party where we find out that the invitation for the tarts and vicar where she's the woman's supposed to basically dress like a prostitute and the man's supposed to dress like a priest. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the premise of it. Yeah. I guess at some point they changed their mind about the party. Mm-hmm. And Bridget didn't get the memo. A lot of other people didn't get the memo either. That's why I think it was malicious. Not in in the book, Uncle Jeffrey says that he tried to call, but an answering machine picked up, and he didn't feel like leaving a message, so he just hung up. Yeah, and, and Uncle Jeffrey's the pervert. Pervy. Yeah, so she shows up basically like in this Playboy bunny outfit. Yeah, and then Mark and Natasha are there. So again, she just looks like an idiot mm-hmm. daniel's not there she promised to bring daniel again she looks like an idiot because they're always like when are you gonna get married when are you gonna have babies TikTok, are you gonna be an TikTok, adult TikTok. yeah the tiktok thing so she leaves the party and goes to daniel's apartment house something whatever you call it in the in the london because it's not really like an apartment it's like a full-ass house i think right? so yeah well it, it might be one of those things where it's a building split up into maybe two apartments or something like a duplex or something yeah, yeah something like that uh because i know it's he big, has though. yeah he has roof access yeah and he's got a lot of money so this, this mm-hmm. flat whatever is his home is very nice she gets there in the book she gets there and she's ringing the doorbell and he doesn't answer ring the doorbell not answering the phone then he when she rings again he buzzes down like is that you, Bridget? And she goes, yeah, let me up. He's like, oh, I'm on the phone with America. I couldn't possibly let you into this home here. And she's like, what? 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 He's like, just go to the pub. I'll meet you there. So she starts to walk and she has this like feeling that something's not right. Yep. So she like goes and crouches behind the corner. And she's like, the pub's not even open. A perfect excuse. And she runs back and Buzzy's like, I thought I told you to go to the pub. And she's like, it's not open. Fucking let me in. He lets her in. And then she's like, I'm going to find out who's in here. Right? She's on a mad dash. She's yeah. like looking in cupboards, behind couches. And yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> she's going into rooms, checking bathrooms and stuff like that. And... and she's trying to be all sly about it. And he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? And you're like, just sit down. And then she starts to think like, all right, I'm losing my mind a little bit. So this happens a little bit like that in the book. But she comes in. She doesn't really think that he's doing anything wrong. Because I think he just lets her in right away. But then she hears a noise and she's like, is somebody here? And so she freaks out a little bit. But he makes Opens that smart ass. There. Yeah. He makes that smart ass comment. It's like, there's nobody there unless that Bosnian family's living underneath the bed again or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she, she goes to walk out because he convinces her to leave and she sees the pink cardigan hanging yep. on the hook. And there's no reason that Daniel would have a pink cardigan that does not belong to her hanging out. Sure as shit ain't yep, hers. Yep. And then she walks through, she goes into the bathroom, and there is, what's what's her name, Laura? So, yeah, in the movie, it's Laura, 
Lara. Yeah, that's right. L-A-R-A. Yeah. But in the book, it's Suki, mm-hmm. who she... Did you think of Suki Stackhouse whenever you read that? I did. Yeah. I did. Absolutely did. Mm-hmm. Um, from True Blood. Yeah. So, and I actually read all those books too. So that's exactly what I was thinking. So we're like, it's very similar, but not similar to the book. She's like, okay, maybe I am losing my mind. And she settles down. Then she hears a noise. And she's like, it's coming from the roof. So in the book, she finds Suki on the roof. In the movie, she finds Laura in the bathtub. Both instances, this woman is fucking naked. Yeah. But in the movie, she's naked sitting on like the edge of the tub. But she, what is that she's holding? It's like it's a, a book or something? Yeah, giant book of some sort. Yeah, it's I'm so like, random. Who has a book that big that can in cover up an entire woman's torso? And if you're in the bathroom, there's a good chance that there's a shower curtain or a towel. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Why something, but no, she's got a book in the bathroom. Unless they were role-playing uh, some weird game. I don't know. Ew, Jackie just got kinky. But in both scenarios, this line they kept. Yep. The line is, Laura slash Sookie goes to Daniel. She goes, I thought you said she was thin. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? So clearly, rightfully so, Bridget is just shocked mm-hmm. and hurt. And she just turns away without saying anything and goes home. And spirals. Yep. Much like any sane, functional woman would do. Hit rock bottom. Now, I think this is noteworthy about the movie. The movie tries to keep it very upbeat, lighthearted, funny. Except for this part. Because it is. Like, I don't think you can make this lighthearted. They try to, like, put a little bit of funny in there with her at home, like, watching the shitty television. Which, mind you, the, the shows she's watching in the movie are american shows mm-hmm. but the shows she's watching in the book are british shows i did, i guess maybe to appeal to a larger broader audience i just didn't understand that because she's like watching fraser and stuff i'm like what single woman is watching fraser but anyway definitely yeah, not so, me so stupid but anyway so she's definitely spiraling she's very depressed she's crying i mean who wouldn't that is just traumatizing what happened there i th- I don't care who you are if you're like think you're in a relationship with someone and then you show up just to find that they're cheating is one thing but then have the person that they're cheating with just honey i thought you said she was thin like what like not only have you been talking about me (laughs) you're cheating like you know but then like i'm getting crucified here in front of everyone no 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 yeah so she's done but the thing is in the book throughout too especially around this is she's sad very sad. There are some things. Yeah, there's things that happen where I, I did not cry. I will say that. I wouldn't be ashamed if I did. But I felt so bad for her. Like the way her mother treats her sometimes, the way she gets left out of things, how awkward it is at public events. And she has nobody really to turn to. And she's like, I guess I'll go stand over here by the wall. Or her birthday, which at first is like she has to plan it herself. It's just, it's sad. It's really, really sad. And I think when you're younger, I mean, if you're younger and this is happening, it's still sad. But I think you have more of that family unit where like your parents are doing something for you or school or you have like a large group of friends. But as you get older, your group of friends obviously dwindles for the most part and you keep people that mean more to you closer. But then the probability of, you know, like if I, on my birthday, you know, Jackie's moving away to Florida. But so by the time it comes to my birthday, I'm, it's just going to be like me here. And I know my kids ain't doing a goddamn thing for me. You can always so come down it, to Florida. Yeah, I think I might. I think I might. <laughs> but if you think about that, like where if you're single and on your own, okay, I'm going on a little bit of a rant here, but we learned this during COVID that a lot of people, it hurt them emotionally 
Like psychologically, it was damaging yeah, yeah, because of the isolation. They didn't have that network of people that they could reach out to. Right. Yeah. Like we here, we have our families. Mind you, there's the opposite side of that where now you're spending more time with these people. And there's a lot of divorces because people realize they weren't really maybe they didn't match well. Mm-hmm. But also if you're locked down and can't go anywhere and you're single, that's sad. Yeah. And that's kind of what she is. She's like isolated now. And there's all these parts where she is feeling bad about. And I think this is maybe she's funneling that focus into her body, her weight, the way she looks, things like that, where it's all these external. I'm getting way too deep on the Bridget Jones's diary, but I think it's there. We just focus on her talking about her weight. And we're like, oh, that's so silly. That's so vain. But I have this feeling that she has all these other things in her life that she's not happy with, or she feels like she's failed. And the only thing that she has control over is her body. Yeah. And that's what she's trying to control. Yeah. And then there is a moment in the book. They don't do this in the movie. And I don't understand why. Uh, I think it is again, because the movie is trying to keep it very, very lighthearted Mm -hmm. in the book. She actually gets down to her goal weight. Mm -hmm. She makes it and she is feeling just fierce. Mm -hmm. Like I've done it. I am happy. And then everyone around her, says but we liked you before you look tired Mm -hmm. you look like sunken you know your color is not right you look like hungry you know they're not happy yeah and she's just like because it is a point where she really was she stopped drinking she stopped smoking Mm -hmm. she got down to her goal weight she was reading all these self-help books and she was like centering her emotions and her thoughts like all around like improving herself as a whole being And she gets to this point and everyone around her is like, why? Mm -hmm. Why would you do that? And I felt so bad for her. I was like, that is devastating. Yeah. To have it. You're like, I'm good. And everyone around you is like, why would you do that? And I think, um, is it Tom who kind of lays it out pretty bluntly for her? It's like, like, uh, I forget what he says, but he says something. it, It feels like it's rude. It sounds rude, but it's very blunt. And I think because he is her best friend, she takes it. Not as harshly if like Rebecca or someone said it. Oh, Rebecca, said. she would have been looking for the insult. Yeah, yeah. So, so then again, she kind of goes, she spirals even more. She gains most of the weight back. She's drinking, smoking, doing ridiculous stuff um, and decides now I'm going to change my career. Mm-hmm. She finds a television program yeah well but in the book it's her mother yeah her her mom gets her the job in the book in the in the movie she goes on a bunch of interviews and the you see the interviews progress to worse and worse where she Mm. needs to say those taglines or those key phrases that the interviewers want to hear to the point where at the end she's with uh yeah i shag my boss and i have to leave my current job (laughs) and then he's like you start on monday yeah but he also tells her, doesn't he? He's like, nobody here ever got fired for shagging the boss. Something like that is He's like, disgusting. we done on principle. Like, that's, that's, that's sexual That's gross. But whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think the the essence of that is similar because the when she shows up to do this interview, she realized she's dressed is all wrong. It's a very young kind of hip program. And he asked her a question and she makes some like really crude remark. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's about Hugh Grant. Yeah. He's like, why do you think he got away with it? And she said something like, oh, well, I guess um, they swallowed the evidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're fantastic. You start on Monday. Yeah. So again, she says a crude comment. She gets a new job. She leaves. Big thing, though, big thing here is when she finally says, 
I'm going to leave the where she works with Daniel to move to this new one. She gives in her notice and Daniel's like, why would you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, I have to. Perpetua does come in and kind of stands up for her in the book like she does in the movie. But it, it's very private. And she's like, no, I don't. I'm no, I'm not going to be here. Whatever she says in the book, it's it's not as dramatic as it is in the movie. Where in the movie, she essentially she essentially tells him off in front of the whole floor. Yeah, and Perpetua is like, yeah. She says she would rather have a job wiping Saddam Hussein's ass. Yeah, than work for him. Yeah, yeah. in front of and everyone's like, woohoo, yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably half the people don't even know what her name is. We're like, yeah. But that makes it yeah. seem like everybody like, at the office thinks Daniel's a dick. Yeah, I'm like, but it makes sense if you think about the context of the book. Because when the book he announced, uh, we forgot to say that he announces, Daniel announces that he's engaged to Laura, mm-hmm. Lara, whatever. So in the book, everyone is congratulating Bridget when they announce the engagement because they think that they're going to engage. And she even makes a comment like, I didn't even know that many people knew we were like, you know, mm-hmm. doing it. Um, so I think context wise, the office knows. Mm-hmm. And then they find out that, oh, he is with somebody else yeah. now. So that might give you the why they're like, <laughs> plotting so i think i think i prefer the way they did it in the movie just because it it does give you that sort of a grand epic climax moment you're like yeah well yeah and in the movie it shows that she is able to stand up for herself you don't really see a whole lot of that in the book is in the book it's more of snide comments or like under her breath or whatever it's like yeah she's very passive aggressive um so it it makes her seem a little bit more solid so i would say from here on out the ending of the book is really where we depart severely. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie is depart severely from the book because mm-hmm. everything up until now is is sort of the same. You can tell that some things were like compressed together, probably for time, um, and to make parts of the storyline maybe flow a little bit better. But the end of the book is com- uh, completely different from the movie because after that scene where she says. Well, after she leaves the company, I think there's only two other instances where Daniel pops up. One of them is to be like, I miss you. And the other one's like, he calls drunk or something. Mm -hmm. But from there in the book, you really don't see Daniel again. Yeah. Like he moves on. I don't know if he marries the other one, but you don't know in the book. He just, he's gone. You know, she doesn't see him. She's working somewhere else. But in the movie, what happens is she starts to kind of have this thing with Mark Darcy, right? Uh, It's not serious by any means. They're kind of just like skirting around each other, like in a fighting ring, you know, and before someone makes that first hit, they're just like doing that little weird boxy dancey thing. Well, this is kind of a parallel between Bridget Jones, the book and Pride and Prejudice, because Elizabeth sees some things about Darcy in Pride and Prejudice, that makes her start to right. change her tune because she doesn't want to have anything to do with him before that. She thinks he's a snob. She thinks that he thinks that he's way too good for everybody else and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And it's the same in, in the book, Bridget Jones, whereas in the movie, it's just she admires him from the beginning, but then I, I don't know really how to put it. Oh, another big thing from the movie is that Daniel tells the, this story that Darcy slept or stole his fiance. Mm-hmm. So immediately, and it is, you say it's closer to Pride and Prejudice because this is similar to uh, what's his face? Wickham. The, Wickham says, like, oh, Darcy cheated me out of this, blah, 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 blah. So Bennett is automatically prejudiced against Mr. Darcy, mm-hmm. where in the movie for Bridget Jones' diary, Daniel, who is essentially Wickham, makes this claim, whether at that resort, saying, 
Darcy stole, like, she's like, why don't you like each other? Why don't you mm-hmm. He's like, well, I stole my fiance. He ran off with her. So she's like, oh my God, he's awful. Mm-hmm. Then she finds out later from her mother that that's not the case. And in fact, it was Daniel who slept with uh, Mark Darcy's wife. Mm-hmm. So she's like, she has this epiphany. So in the book, Daniel sort of goes away to the wayside. She doesn't have this story of Miss Mark, Mark Darcy in the book. She doesn't have like immediate prejudice. She just, her interactions with him have driven her perception of it. Which I can, which I can respect her for a little bit more than in the movie, because in the movie, she's just going based off of what other people say. Mm -hmm. And whereas in the book, she takes the time and actually forms her opinion of him based on her interactions with him, which Mm -hmm. is what normal sane people are supposed to do. Yeah. And then you find out later on in the book that, a lot of the interactions she had with Mark were a bit out of context. Mm-hmm. He apologizes for some of the things he said. It wasn't intentional, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So okay, Daniel's out of the picture now. She starts to have more interaction with Mark Darcy. And how this comes about is the his parents' ruby wedding. She goes to that in the book. Um, he finds her like out on a terrace somewhere and kind of gives her this, I like you. Mm-hmm. I have. He's like, I would like to take you to dinner. Where that's where Natasha's up the stairs, like Mark, Mark. <laughs> and Bridget's like, but you're with someone, and he makes a statement in the book, go not anymore. So I'm like, did he break up with her already, or is that what he's going to do? It was very weird. But in the book, they're supposed to have dinner. He's supposed to go pick her up at eight, but she's like doing something stupid, like she's drying, drying her, her hair. So yeah. <laughs> So she doesn't hear the doorbell and then she's waiting, waiting, waiting. And nine o'clock she said, this motherfucker stood me up. And then when she sees him again, she's like, where the hell have you been? He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, where were you? She's like, I was in my flat waiting for you. He's like, I rung the doorbell. She's like, uh, what time? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So what happens in both the book and the movie, which kind of brings them closer together after this snafu is the whole trial which Mark Darcy is the lawyer for Barris or whatever. Um, and her news company, the television program that she works for wants to get a like first interview or something with the, the defendant. Yeah. So she's there waiting. And into Bridget Jones diary, she like goes to get cigarettes or snacks or something and misses when this person comes out. But Mark just happens to walk in behind her and, uh, her camera crew's like, we missed it. We missed it. She's like, you made me miss the interview or something like that. He's like, nobody got an interview with my client because I told him not to. Now, before we get into what he does, why did they change the character that he defended? Because they changed it in the movie to like some third world country. He's he's a Kurdish he's a Kurdish freedom fighter, and they were going to extradite him. And the woman, it's the Agani Heaney case. Eleanor Heaney mm. was the British aid worker that fell in love with Kafir Aghani, who was the Kurdish freedom fighter, fighter, brought him back Pardon. to England and yeah, brought him back to England and they were going to uh, deport him. And he was, which essentially yeah. if they did, they would execute him when he got yeah. back there. Yeah. So that is who Mark Darcy in the movie is defending. But in the book, he's defending a woman who is essentially like a sex slave. Yeah. To her employer. Yep. And they're fighting for that. Where, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to get hung up on it, but I just don't understand. Like both are, e- like both are bad. I'm not going to say equally because I feel like they're, they're just different sides to our, our awful humanity. But I don't know why they needed to change that. Like it's, 
Maybe it was too deep and this is a little bit more wholesome. I honestly, well, is he a human rights lawyer in the book? In I I know that Natasha is in the book. I don't, but he is the human rights lawyer in the movie. I don't yeah. remember. But either one would have been a human rights thing because he she in the book she murders the employee. Mm-hmm. So she's basically on trial for murder. But I think he's taking it from the standpoint that you know, she was essentially a slave. Yeah. So can you really falter? So it, even if he is a human uh, rights lawyer in there, I think you could argue it on those bounds. Um, but anyway, we've got a real talk. So he offers, he offers Bridget this sort of exclusive interview, mm-hmm. which gets her a lot of recognition at, at work and it's good for her. And then I think they, they little, they blossom a little bit from there. They start kind of dating a little bit. Well, I, I think, that happens before the whole standing up debacle or whatever, because after he thinks that she stood him up or he she thinks that he stood her up, that's when the whole shit happens with her mom running off with Julio or Julian. No, 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 because they're talking about the blow dryer in the store. Oh, okay. I'm almost positive. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's the first time she sees him since she thought she got stood up. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that happened. She gets the interview. Yay, 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 yay. But then, here we go. Book, the mother's boyfriend, Julio, we find out is like smuggling money, cheating people out of money. He's, uh, he's and the operating a pyramid scheme, I think, essentially. Yeah, with it's time a pyramid shares. scheme about like timeshare. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> they go on the run and the mother like calls her all shady. Can you give me a hundred yeah. pounds or whatever? And so it comes out, the dad calls her, like, your mom's on the run, the law's looking for her, then Mark Darcy gets involved, which is essentially, like, what happens in Pride and Prejudice when her sister runs off, and you're like, I'm gonna go help, I'm gonna find. So, like, he goes to Portugal, finds him, brings the mom back, does whatever, gets her off, she doesn't have any jail time, she comes home being as silly as she was before, like, thinking, like, you literally left your husband for a man, defrauded all of your friends out of thousands and thousands of pounds, and now you're back here like nothing happened. Yeah. She's absolutely out of her mind. So to close this out in the book, she doesn't hear from Mark Darcy for like a month. It's a while until I think they're at some sort of party or get together. I don't know. It's it's she's with her family again. Yeah, they're doing something at the house. Uh, and that was another departure I forgot to mention earlier. In the movie, she the mother moves out of the house, but in the book, she kicks the father out of the house and he's living in Una Alkenberry's oh, yeah, guest they, house they or whatever. Little, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're all gathered or whatever, and uh freaking Mark just takes her out of there. I'm going to take you away from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Takes her to a hotel. Yeah, Mm. it's nice. It's romantic. It's sweet. But here's the part where it lost me in the book. So Julio like barges in. He's to the dad like, you sleep with my woman? (laughs) You sleep with And her mom's like, oh, he's Hispanic or whatever. Mm -hmm. He says, or he's Latino. She says something so stupid. Mm -hmm. Then she like goes upstairs with him. And it's afterwards you find out that they're probably fooling around because she comes down with her shirt inside out. But Mark is the one that barges in the house after the fact. Like, shh, everybody keep calm. And Bridget's like, what are you talking about? This is not normal. He's all like dirty and sweaty. He's like, we're going to get the cops here. We're going to have them come down. We don't know if he's dangerous. It's like, it's so absurd. Yeah. This part of the book where like, what is this? <laughs> so Mark has essentially been like, uh, like, what do you call like a bounty hunter? Yeah. Following this dude around yeah. Europe. And I was like, everybody stay calm. Like Mark, you are a human rights lawyer. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You just left your job to go do this. 
Uh, like, what the fuck? So also in the meantime, how they get her mother down the stairs is there. What's it's like, just, just, she's going to sieve the gravy. Well, first she tries the whole, <laughs> where are the doilies? And then, and then yeah. her, her mom doesn't say anything. And then she uh, tells them to take everybody into one room. And she's like, uh, Una's going to sieve the, the gravy. And then you hear and her shuffling like, right down. Like, no, it's just storming down the stairs. stairs. My gosh, like the doilies are where the doilies are supposed to be. It's so stupid. And then they take Julio away. And that's where Mark's like, let's get out of here. And so they leave and they live happily ever after or some bullshit like that. But in the movie, so she finds out that, okay, she's at her birthday. Mark comes over for birthday uninvited, but helps her with the dinner. As they're sitting there uh, with her friends and Mark, Mm -hmm. Daniel barges in the house like, drunk or like uh, moaning Myrtle lets him in mm-hmm. and he's drunk. He's like, I miss you. I miss you. So then he takes her out on the little terrace and they're talking about how I but miss he you. Even, he like, said, oh, forgive me. I thought you would be alone on her fucking birthday. Yes. Yes. He did. He's like, Oh, I thought you'd be alone on your birthday. That's what he says. So, and then he does this whole lovey dovey speech out on the terrace, but he ends it with saying, no, 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 not now. That was enough later. So, Mark, he's like, I'm gonna go. He leaves, but then he comes back in. He's like, No, you know what, Daniel, you meet me outside. And then like, what are we gonna fight? Like, what, what is this? He's like, Oh, should I bring my pistol or whatever? Like, they're gonna duel. So they go down into the street and they start fucking street fighting. It was Mark's hilarious. Like, pow pow, and Daniel's like pow pow, and then Tom just randomly runs into some like Greek restaurants, like fight. So everyone comes outside and it's like music, and they're they're but like, they're oh. they're doing that fight thing where it's like. Just yeah, like they're not very their good fighters. Out. There's like no yeah. fists involved, no smacks or anything no, like not. that. It's just like I mean, waving their hands. A good fist. Yeah, with keeping their faces back so that they don't get hit. Yeah, and, it's like yeah. it's such like a they're not into it for sure. Like they don't know how to do this. One's a lawyer, one's a editor in chief. I don't think they've ever had a fight. Until somebody life. picks up a trash can lid. Yeah, they're like cheater. Yeah, <laughs> but he hits his head over with the trash can cover. Uh, so they're fighting, fighting, and then Mark just like he beats the shit out of Daniel, and Bridget's like, "You monster! What did you do? I thought you're so moral. You're psychotic." And Mark's like, uh, "He says something that Mister Darcy would say. It's very, very British and posh." And I was like, "What?" He just turns around and walks off. Something about I was operating under a misconception. Something before that. Yeah, it's yeah, very, very British. It's, yeah. it's a lot of big words that sound nice together, but also what. Uh, so then she goes, okay, this is where Daniel, she's there. She's like, oh my God. And he's like, let's go upstairs. Mind you, he literally just got his ass handed to him. He's like, let's go upstairs. <laughs> it's all blood over mm-hmm. him. Like, please don't kiss him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she, he says that Laura and him didn't work out. What was the statement? Okay. So he made this statement and I put it in here. Um, he goes, if I can't make it with you, then I can't make it with anyone. What the fuck? How romantic. Awful. Like, my panties have just disappeared. What the fuck? No. Who says that? And who? And at first I was like, don't you do it, Bridget. Don't you fall for that. That is, first of all, I thought you'd be alone. And obviously, if I can't do it with you, like, who can I do it with? Like, yeah. you're a fucking train wreck. You'll take me. You'll deal with me. And she does say something that basically like what he had said to her earlier, like, you know, I need to find that that what's right for me. And yeah, whatever. So she leaves him. But mind you, she doesn't have Mark Darcy to run off to because she already made him feel stupid. So now she's back spiraling and she's with her parents for Christmas, I believe. Um, well, just her 
Dad, I think, because her mom hasn't come back yet. She doesn't come back until like Christmas morning or something. She walks downstairs. No, no, she's back. She's back because remember, she's walking downstairs and her mom's like, get back up there, change. And she's oh, yeah. like, you're coming to the Ruby wedding. And because in the book, she doesn't come back to later. Yeah. Um, she's, she's like, I'm not going to the Ruby wedding tomorrow. I'm not doing it. She's like, her mom in, starts to, what did she say? Oh, I forget what she says, but she essentially comes out and says that, like, no, Daniel, no, she doesn't know Daniel, but she said, Mark's wife slept with his best man that he went to school with. Yeah. So she's putting Cambridge. all of it together yeah. and, and realizes this is Daniel. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh my God, I made a mistake. So she goes, give me five minutes. They go to the Ruby wedding. Mark is there. She talks to him just to let him know, like, I know you say you like me as I am and I like you just as you are. And he's like, crikey. <laughs> oh, okay. And then his dad drops a bomb. Yeah. So now we find out that him, I don't know if he did it, in propose but it's implied that him and natasha are now engaged mm-hmm. and that he's going to be leaving for new york to join some law firm with natasha so of course bridget is like fuck mm-hmm. says something stupid like oh, i go like single people do be at a party by myself bye and leaves poofs mostly gay people he poofs yeah. yes yes she does say that um and again, she goes home, vicious cycle. She's spiraling again. Her friends try and come and get her. Like, let's go to Paris. And at first it's like, that's such a random thing to show up. And then I had to remember that they are close to Paris mm-hmm. and we are not. They can take a train so if, to Paris. Right. So if Jackie showed up to my house and was like, come on, bitch, we're going to Paris. I'd be like, you're fucking crazy. It would be the equivalent of saying, hey, let's go to New York. Yeah. Just hop yeah, on yeah. a train. Yeah. And that's not to say that if Jackie showed up and said, bitch, we're going to Paris, that I would not be on board. I'd probably ask questions like, do we have a flight? <laughs> How long do I have to pack? Do we also like, do we like also that. have somewhere to stay once we get yeah, there? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, if not, we, have, we could probably figure it out when we get there. But at least do we have a way to get there? Yeah. Okay. So now she's trying to like get in the car with her friends to go to Paris because Brits can do that on a weekend. And that's where Mark shows up and is like, I don't know, lovey-dovey, something, something. And she decides she's going to stay. Essentially, happily ever after. Yeah, but the thing is, is she decides that that is the time to go change her underwear. Because, yeah, yeah, she knows something is going to happen, which up to that point, they don't actually kiss. Because every time he goes in to kiss her, she backs up and comes up with an excuse not to. And then she goes and tries to change her underwear and then he finds the diary. Mm -hmm, That fucking diary. Diaries ruin lives, I think. Essentially, it's all of her during her spiraling phases where she's like, I hate him. I hate him. Mr. Darcy's awful. Mark Darcy's the worst. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. Essentially, like everything that Elizabeth Bennett said in the movie to Mr. Darcy, Bridget just wrote it in her diary. Yeah. So he's like, oh, 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 and leaves. So she comes out from changing her stupid panties to like even uglier, like leopard, no, like animal print striped panties. I was like, ew. So she's only in her panties too. Mind you, she walks out of the bathroom in her panties, which I'm thinking, wouldn't that be really weird? Yeah. Especially if you've never kissed. Kind of presumptuous too. Right? Yeah. So I don't know why she does that. I feel like she might've heard the door close. So she's like, what, what? She comes out, she sees that he's left and she sees him walking down the 
street. Well, she sees that the diary's open, yeah, and then she yes, looks through yes. the window and she starts and screaming like, after him. So then she runs out in the snow with no shoes on. She's like, Fuck, comes back and puts shoes on, but still no pants. Mm-hmm. And proceeds to run down the road in the snow with no pants on looking for him and then she finds him and he's coming out of a store and she's like i'm sorry i didn't mean it well i meant it but it's a diary everyone knows that you write bullshit in diaries i'm like i'm thinking to myself i don't think that's what you write no. in the diaries i think you write that's where you feel safe to write how you really feel yeah. but anyway i digress and he's like i know that's why i went and write bought you a new one and he's got this all fancy wrapped up new journal and i go would that be my first reaction no. to reading someone's innermost deepest thoughts about me and finding out that they're all awful she thinks i'm a twat i'm going to leave now she hates me she wrote it a good hundred times on a one page yeah i think i would just walk out and leave Mm -hmm. but no he's like i want to go buy her a new journal because we're going to start over and then it's like happy ever happily ever after i'm kissing the man of my dreams in the snow in my underwear yeah and then some song starts i don't know right i used to love that soundtrack it's still a good soundtrack just thought it was weird timing yeah so there we go. We're summed up. She ends up with Mark in the end, but just in different ways. I think the both endings are absolutely fucking ridiculous, but I might be able to get behind the movie just a t- bit more. Let's talk about our yeah. reviews then. Yes. Jackie, I'll let you choose since it's your birthday month. You go ahead. All That's right. my gift to you. <laughs> I give the book a three out of five. I was going to give it a four out of five until I got to the the ending with the, just the whatever that was with Mark being a bounty hunter across Europe. I just, I could, I did not understand it. I could not get behind it. But the rest of the book, I would say is it's entertaining. It's a quick read. Um, I do like the character building of Bridget throughout the book. I think it's written really well. It's just that ending did it in for me. And obviously I couldn't give it a five out of five, even if, it's just my standards way too high for it. So the highest <laughs> it would have gotten baseline is four out of five, but that ending ruined it for me. The movie, I'm going to give it a six out of 10. And I'm not saying that because I didn't like it. I actually enjoyed it. I remember I watched it a long, long, long time ago. And literally the only things I could remember were the Tom being a pop star thing. And I didn't even realize that was this movie. And then the, uh, her and her big granny panties. Those are like literally the only two things I remember. <laughs> so it's that long ago. I don't even, I didn't even remember the plot. Nothing. Even when I was reading the book, nothing came back from the movie for me, but this is why I give it a six out of 10. Somebody like me who can get easily distracted by anything. This movie is in danger of becoming background noise for me. I would not say it holds my attention, mm-hmm. but I'm not saying it's not a bad for me. Six out of 10. Jackie. Okay. For the book, I gave it a four out of five. I do have some issues with how Bridget reacts to some of the things uh, that happened to her or happened to people around her. Like, oh, her mom running off with Julio and going to Portugal and Mm. being a criminal and stuff like that. And all she's doing is fantasizing about somebody coming to her rescue or something like Mark's that. Mark's going to save us. Yeah. And we're going to love each other. Yeah. I, I, I had some issues with it, but overall I really do like it. It's just one of those books that I can pick up at any given time. Like I'm having a bad day. So uh, the movie is a seven out of 10. Uh, it would have been an eight if somebody other than Renee Zellweger played the part and did it well. Like, I'm not saying that somebody could just walk off the street and 
say the lines like they were reading from a script. Yeah. Uh, but it would have had to been a good performance, somebody who could pull it off. I also think that maybe if they stuck a little closer to the book, I would have liked the movie more. Oh, I can. Yeah, I can see that. I think it would have been a much deeper story if they did. Yeah. I don't think it would have fallen under that rom-com category. Mm -mm. No. Yeah. All right. Maybe even dramedy, like dramedy. Dramedy. Oh, like dramedy. Dramedy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So when it comes to read, watch, or DNF, I'll have to say, I think it depends on what your current mood is at the time. If you're looking for something a bit deeper, and I'm not talking deep, deep i'm talking just just like just below the surface <laughs> um where someone you can relate to maybe if you if you feel like you're similar to her situation i would read the book if you just want easy light funny just watch the movie you're getting the same gist it's a pride and prejudice retelling there's not a lot that different you can do with this type of story but yeah if you're if you're feeling like silly rom-com go for the movie Okay, and for me, I would say that this is one of the few book-to-film or screen adaptations that I do not have an issue with. I originally watched the movie first and then read the book, and I think that does kind of sway how I feel Mm. about the adaptation, uh, just because like one of my favorite books of all time is Cider House Rules. I read the book, read it multiple times, found out they were making a movie. I'm like, I'm all about that. This is where my loathing of Tobey Maguire started. but <laughs> Fucking Tobey ruined it. That movie totally ruined the story. This is not one of those cases. So I originally watched the movie first, then I read the book. So I had expectations. And I think that the book, for the most part, fills those expectations, but then gives you more. Yeah. Um, I strongly do prefer the book, but the movie is definitely a good go-to when you just don't want to think too much and just be entertained. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. So what do we, so next month, uh, next week, we're moving into Mystery May. We have a, a it's exciting. yeah, we have a, a lineup of some classic and some contemporary mystery, popular ones. I think we're doing Agatha Christie. We have uh, Gillian, what the hell is her name? Gillian Flynn. Flynn. She, she's the author from Gone Girl, but we're going to read uh, Sharp Objects. Then we have Gone Baby Gone and A Simple Favor. That's what we're going to next month. So next week we are jumping in with the OG, the queen of mystery that is Agatha Christie. And our first up is, uh, and then there were none, which if you read the book earlier, it it was called 10 little Indians. It actually had a different name in the UK. What was it in the UK? Which is deaf. I can't say it. Really? Look it up. Well, we'll maybe we'll talk about it next. Uncomfortable. I'm gonna look it up now. Uncomfortable. But I have actually, I'm almost uh, done with the book, and I'm I'm excited for next weekend when we when we record this. So next week, Agatha Christie, and then there were none. Well, until then, bye. Bye.